Amen. Good morning. Well, today is Father's Day, so my greetings to each of you as fathers as well. Isn't it great to be a dad? I got up this morning, and my kids, uh, they gave me a nice little Father's Day gift. And, uh, you know, as a dad, you want to brag on your kids every once in a while, right? So there are my kids right there. That's Micaiah and Gabby. Micaiah is just his first year of college. He's done well there. Gabby is uh, a freshman or just graduated from uh, ninth grade going into uh, 10th grade this coming year, but uh, I think I have the best kids in the world. Anybody want to argue with that? I'm sure you will, and you'll win that argument. Every dad should win that argument, because you should always be bragging on your kids, but I'm so blessed. God has blessed us with uh, wonderful children, and uh, it's always been my prayer as a dad uh, that my kids would grow up just to do two things. One was just to love God and to serve him. And it didn't matter where it was. As long as they love God and they're serving him, I'm a happy camper. And so I hope that would be your prayer for your children as well and for your grandchildren, those of you that do have grandchildren. But happy Father's Day to each and every one of you. And this morning, and it's so good to see so many fathers here, I want to encourage you dads. I want to encourage you. You know, it seems when Mother's Day comes around that They get all the glory, and they get all the praises, and they get all the gifts, and all the phone calls, and yet when it comes to Father's Day, you get all the collect calls, right? (laughs) Thank God for cell phones now. But I want to give give a shout out to all the fathers that are here today, and first of all, thank you. Thank you for being in church today. That's an amazing feat. And if you have your family with you, that's even a bonus So thank you. And, you know, we don't take your presence here in church for granted. Dads, men in particular, we appreciate that. Thank you for making that effort to come to church and to bring your family with you. So I encourage you, dads, to keep on keeping on. I encourage you to keep on fighting for the good things. Keep on fighting for the family. Keep on fighting for the truths of God and for his word. And don't give up. The struggle is real. The battle is tough. We've got all the odds against us. But I would encourage you, as men of God, to keep on keeping on. Continue to be that man of integrity. Continue to be the man of valor. Continue to be, that's what I am, the garbage man. I take the trash out. That's my job. Continue to be the cockroach killer. How many of you guys are the cockroach killer in your house, right? The ladies and the kids all run away, and you've got to go and find that little critter and smash it with your slipper. But continue to be that. Continue to be the hero in the eyes of your children. Continue to be the mechanic, the painter, the supplier. Continue to be the spiritual leader of your home. That's your role, man. Continue to be the source of comfort to those who are hurting, and continue to be the man of God that your spouse needs you to be. Continue to stand and to be accounted for in this day and in this age in which we live. And I pray, I pray that it would be so in each of your lives and in your homes this day. For some of you, I know that this may be a difficult day. Maybe your dad has already passed away. Or maybe you don't have a dad who who loves and cares for you. Or maybe you haven't talked to your dad in a while, or Or perhaps you're a father here, and 
Perhaps you have adult children who maybe you're estranged from. As others celebrate this day, I pray that the God of all fathers would comfort you and make this day special just for you. So today is Father's Day, so happy Father's Day. Well, we're going to be looking at our lesson today, and it's entitled A Father's Legacy. Uh, And that doesn't not include mothers or women or even children. But look what Proverbs 13, 22 says. It says, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. So the question we ask ourselves today, particularly dads, but what will you leave your children when you die? What will you leave your children when you die? This verse talks about leaving an inheritance to our children, which is a good thing. It's a great thing. And that's what dads should do. But we're not talking just about leaving them a house or a car or, or money. But if all you leave your kids is a material inheritance without leaving them a spiritual legacy, then they will be impoverished, no matter how large that inheritance is. And so a legacy. What is a legacy? A legacy is defined as something passed down to the generations that follows us. You see, all of us, all of us, whether we like it or not, will leave a legacy. All of us will leave one. Some for good, some not so good. But at some point in life, all of us must consider what kind of a legacy do we plan to leave behind when we are gone. Dads have to decide that. Moms have to decide that as well. Children have to decide. So I'm speaking to everyone today. And so I'm asking you, and I'm asking myself the very same question. What will our legacy be? What will my legacy be? One thing I think I know about all of us here this morning is that deep down inside, everybody wants to leave a legacy. Everybody wants to feel like, like their life counts, that their life matters, that somehow we've, we've left a mark on this world while we pass through this life. We've been talking about that for the last several weeks. We've asked the question, what is, what is my purpose in life? What on earth am I here for? What on earth am I here for? I believe, I believe we all have a desire to have a life that is significant, that will stand for something and and leave a legacy for others to follow. Because a wasted life, a wasted life is just not acceptable, is it? If you agree with that, say amen. Amen. A wasted life is just not acceptable. Now excuse me if it seems like I'm just talking to dads or to the men, but I'm not. I'm just talking to all of you, but I will refer to dads and men. But this applies to each and every one of us. We are all building a legacy that someday we'll all leave behind. And so we need to be thinking about that. But men, particularly the fathers that are here this morning, I speak to you because you need to leave a lasting legacy of godliness for those who follow you. Whether it's your children, your grandchildren, your employees, the people you work with, your neighbors, you all need to leave a lasting legacy of godliness 
for those who come after us. You know, I celebrated my, my birthday about two months ago. Yeah, and I feel old, really old. I actually turned the big 6-0, believe it or not. Can you believe six decades on this earth? I feel like it some days. But you know, when you reach certain milestones in your life, you tend to kind of stop and reflect. And, and I had to ask myself this very question that I'm going to ask each of you this morning. What kind of legacy am I creating? What kind of legacy will I leave for those who follow after me? Whether it's my wife or my, my two children or anybody else I've come in contact with. And as I pondered that question, I thought about today's sermon, and I thought about three things. I'm sure there's many more. Three conditions that if I were to do these things, or if these things were to happen in my life, it would hopefully produce a godly legacy for those that come from behind, those who come after me. And so I want to share those things with you. It's just three simple things, and you'll see it up on the screen, and if you want to take notes in your bulletin, feel free to do that. But the first condition, and this is not rocket science, this isn't brand new, sometimes it's just a reminder for us. But how do we produce a godly legacy? First thing we need to do is to live a life of godly character and conduct. To live a life of godly character and conduct. I want you to turn to your neighbor and to say that. Live a life of godly character and conduct. Turn to your other neighbor and say that. Live a life of godly character and conduct. Easier said than done, right? Proverbs 22.1 says, A good name, which literally means your character. Your character is who you are. Your character is who you are when, when no one else is looking. It's different from your reputation. Your reputation is what people say about you and what they think about you. Your character is who you are when you're in the dark, when you're in the closet all by yourself and no one else is there. That's who you are when it's just you and God. A good name, literally your character, is more desirable than great riches. And to be esteemed is better than silver or gold. You see, we live in an age of moral decay and moral decline. We don't have to look very far to see that. Our world around us is crumbling from the inside out. We're morally corrupt. And so it seems like character hardly counts anymore. You can cheat on your taxes. You can cheat on your spouse. You can do illegal drugs. You can steal from your employer. You can disrespect people right and left, in public, in private, online. And it just doesn't matter because no one cares anymore. Live and let live. You only live once. Let it all hang out. Do your own thing. Whatever. Sadly, this general lack of character and proper behavior has, has even crept into the church, has crept into Christianity. And sometimes the character and the behavior of believers is often hardly distinguishable from that of non-believers. And that's not good. That's not good. That's a blemish on the testimony of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So the Apostle Peter teaches us to have character and he says this in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. And he says, in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence, which means character, and moral excellence with knowledge. 
And then in Ephesians chapter 4, he says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. It's a high calling that we have as followers of Jesus Christ. And we need to live a life that's worthy of that calling. You see, our character and our conduct should be so exemplary that Paul says in Philippians 2 that, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world. You see, men and women, your character and your conduct will impact generations to come. There was a study done back in the last century in, 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 the, in the early 1900s. There was a study done of two men who lived and died in the 18th century. And they studied their descendants. The first one, his name was Max Duke. And Max was an atheist. And he married a girl with the same belief, the same type of lifestyle. And from this union came 1,026 descendants as they looked throughout the generations. 1,026 descendants from these two people. And a study of this man's descendants showed that 300 of the 1,026 died prematurely. 100 were sent to the penitentiary. 190 of them sold themselves to vice. 100 were drunkards. And the family cost the state of New York $1.1 million, which is an astronomical figure in the year 1900. The other man they studied, and they tracked his descendants, was a great preacher named Jonathan Edwards. He believed in God, and he married a girl of like character. And from their union, they tracked down 729 descendants. And out of that 729, 300 were preachers. 65 were college professors. 13 were university students, or presidents, I'm sorry. 13 were university presidents. Six were published authors. Three were U.S. congressmen. And one was even the vice president of the United States. You see the difference? One man, one man left the tragedy. The other left the legacy. And which will you leave when you die? Will you be like Max Duke? Or will you be like King David in the Old Testament who left a legacy to his son? His son's name was Jehoshaphat. And we read about him in Second Chronicles chapter 17. And it says this, The Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he followed the ways of his father David before him. He did not consult the Baals, which, is the foreign, which are the foreign gods, but sought the God of his father and followed his commands rather than the practices of Israel. It says, The Lord established the kingdom under his control, and all Judah brought gifts to Jehoshaphat, so that he had great wealth and honor. His heart was devoted to the ways of the Lord. You see, ladies and gentlemen, your character and your conduct speak volumes to your kids, to those who follow behind you. And chances are, 
They'll seek to be just like you. Eyes are on us. They're watching us. Let me share this poem. It's a poem about a a father and his young son. And listen as I read the poem. He says, To get his goodnight kiss, he stood beside my chair one night and raised an eager face to me, a face with love alight. As I gathered in my arms the son God gave to me, I thanked the lad for being good and hoped he'd always be. His little arms crept round my neck, and then I heard him say six simple words I won't forget, six words that made me pray. They turned a mirror on my soul, on secrets no one knew. They startled me. I hear them yet. He said, I want to be like you. Number one condition, live a life of godly character and conduct. How do we leave a godly legacy? Second condition I share with you this morning. How do we, live a, how do we leave a godly legacy? Second, second idea is to stand for what you believe. Stand for what you believe. Turn to your neighbor and say, stand for what you believe. Say to your other neighbor, stand for what you believe. <clears throat> you know, six times in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul uses, tells us to stand fast. Second, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. Paul says this. He says, be on the alert, stand fast in the faith, act like men, be strong. Four simple commands. The Bible scholar says these four simple commands have a military background, and they're like a commander's orders to his troops, to the soldiers. And all four commands would make a great sermon in themselves, But this morning, I just want to focus on two of them. First one is to stand fast in the faith. And the second one is to act like men. And I'm addressing the men here. But it says to stand fast was a term commonly used to describe the proper response when soldiers were under attack. It means to dig in and stubbornly refuse to give ground. In this verse, it means to have some strong convictions, to have a strong resolve about what you believe, and not to fold in the midst of peer pressure from the attacks of the ungodly. And dictionaries usually define the word conviction as a fixed or a strong belief. But conviction is really much more than that. You see, your convictions include your values. Your conviction includes your commitments and your motivations. And listen to this definition of the word conviction. It says, a belief is something you will argue about. A conviction is something that you would die for. That's a definition of a conviction. Let me read that again. A a belief is something you'll argue about and can discuss. A conviction is something that you're willing to die for. And so this morning, are there some spiritual and moral convictions that you would die for? Are there things you believe so strongly that nothing can sway you? Are there things you believe with such moral force that you feel you must pass them on to your children? These are important. Why? Because our convictions determines our conduct. Our convictions motivate us to take a stand, to act according to our values, to stand against the moral decay of our day. It takes conviction to that. It takes courage. 
And you'll never be able to do that. You'll never be able to do that if you're a fearful, spineless, cowardly wimp. Which is why the Apostle Paul says in that same verse, act like men. And he's addressing the man. Act like men. Be courageous. He's saying, dude, man up. Don't just sit there on the sidelines. Stand up. Be a man. Do your duty. Sounds harsh, but that's what we need to hear today. We need to stand firm in our convictions, and we need to man up, act like men. The problem is that many people today, today, they put their finger in the wind to see which way it's blowing, rather than take a bold stand on the Word of God. They're more concerned about the crowd than they are about Christ. They're more concerned about peer pressure than they are about principle. They're more concerned about what their group thinks or how their group feels about it than what God thinks. And what we need today are men who will stand for God, who will stand for truth, who will stand for righteousness, even if it means they lose the world's applause. We need men of courage. We need women of courage. We need to be people of courage, willing to take a stand. I love basketball. I love NBA basketball particularly. And I really enjoyed the, uh, the final series. And I really have to admit, some of you may disagree, which is okay. We're still the champs, though. I'm a fan of Golden State Warriors, which won the championship this year. And uh, so you can't argue about that. Um, and I like the team. They play well together. But there's a guy on the team who I really admire. Because he's willing to take a stand. He's one of the stars on the team. And I'll show his, his picture up here. It's Steph Curry. He's a believer. Some of you may not know that. He's a great, phenomenal basketball player. But he's not afraid to take a stand in that arena of professional basketball. It's not politically correct. It's probably not cool with some of the other players. But he's a man of conviction. And he stands on it. And he's not afraid to say, I represent Jesus Christ. And he does play very well but I admire him not so much for his basketball skills, but for the man of character that he is and for his convictions and his willingness to stand up for what he believes. And so the question we ask ourselves this morning is, am I willing to stand for what I believe and to live it out even if it's unpopular? We need to do that. And as we do that on a daily basis, we start building that legacy that someday we will leave behind for others who follow us. So live a life of godly character and conduct. Stand up, stand for what you believe. And then the third condition to create this godly legacy, the third thing and the last thing I'll leave with you this morning, is demonstrate godly love and care. Turn to your neighbor and say, demonstrate godly love and care. <clears throat> say it again, demonstrate godly love and care. Nothing new, not earth-shattering. But Paul said in Colossians 3.21, and I'm speaking particularly to parents here, because it is Father's Day. Paul said in Colossians 3.21, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. In other words, fathers, do not nag on your kids. 
If you are too hard to please, they may want to stop trying. They'll get discouraged. And Paul continues in Ephesians chapter 6. And he said, And now a word to your parents, to you parents. Don't keep on scolding and nagging your children, making them angry and resentful. Rather, bring them up with the loving discipline the Lord himself approves, with suggestions and godly advice. We need parents who demonstrate love on a daily basis. Paul says in Titus chapter 2, Teach the young women so that they may encourage them to love their husbands and and to love their children. And Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, he he instructs us. He says, husbands, he's talking to the men, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. You know, one of the main reasons people hold, hold false perceptions of God, and a lot of people do, it's the human t- because it's a human tendency to project onto God the unloving characteristics of our parents, and particularly of our dads. People tend to believe that God, whom we're taught is our Heavenly Father, is going to treat us as our own dads did, since that's the primary lens through which we see a father. It's really through our own lens, because of our own experience with our own father, That's how we see a father figure. And sometimes that's how people see God. And so, if you had a strong and loving dad, you probably have a healthy view of God. But if your dad was, and I use this word very carefully, but if your dad was a jerk, if he was overly controlling or overly demanding, or if he failed to protect you as he should have, or he cut you down verbally, or even worse, physically. You naturally tend to project this distorted view of fatherhood onto God, our Heavenly Father. And it's a natural thing. But men and women, that's why it is so very important to demonstrate love and nurture to your children. Sometimes, us guys, we have a little bit of a problem with this. Let me tell you, man, if you want to leave a legacy your children will cherish, then love them by being affectionate with them. Love them by being affectionate with them. By always being loving and gentle and edifying in your words to them. Words are very powerful. And it's not just so much the words we say, but it's how we say it in the tone of our voice. But always be, be loving and gentle and edifying in the words you speak to them. Be patient with them. Never, ever demean them. Always be self-controlled when you discipline your children. Yes, we need to discipline our children. But discipline out of love, not out of anger. And that's when we need the Lord's help the most. Is help me, Lord, to be self-controlled because I do need to discipline my child. But we love them by spending time with them, by listening to them, by playing with them, by laughing and goofing off with them, by by being at their ball games and at their concerts and at their ballet performances and at their plays, and of course, by praying with them, the most important thing. So how do we create this legacy? How do we create this godly legacy that we can leave for those that follow after us? And it doesn't matter if you're a parent or a grandparent, a father or mother, if 
you don't have any children, all of us are creating a legacy now. And we do that by living a life of godly character and conduct. We do that by standing up for what we believe. And we do that by demonstrating godly love and care. I'm going to ask the worship team to start making their way to the stage. And let me end with a story this morning. It was about a year ago when a good friend of mine unexpectedly passed away. His name was Larry. He was only 54 years old. He had been a Salvation Army officer for just about two years, but his ministry spanned more than 20 years. He was deeply in love with God. He was deeply in love with his wife. Her name was Joy. He had three beautiful daughters whom he simply adored, and he loved and befriended everyone he met. He was just that type of a guy. He had such a positive impact on his family and his friends and the many hundreds of people he ministered to. And I still remember there were two funeral services last year, last June. One was in Las Vegas where they were living. The second one was here in Hawaii at our Camp Homolani on the North Shore. And combined, they had about 500 people in attendance. And I'm sure there were many more who would have liked to have been there. But there were hundreds, hundreds of people impacted by this one man's life. And as I reflected on his life, and I thought about this morning, I was struck by one word. And that word was legacy. Legacy. And then I asked the question, but how? How did a man with no fame or fortune build a legacy like this? How did my friend Larry, who lived such a simple, humbly, earthly life that ended so abruptly, still have a life whose legacy will live on into eternity? I've reflected on this question, and my answer is that he was simply faithful. He was faithful in all the little things. Larry was a man who just did the right thing, period. It didn't matter if anyone saw it. It didn't matter if anyone did it with him. He just did the right thing every time. He treated his wife with absolute devotion, love, and respect. He loved his children and continued to do so even though some hard times came upon them. He was the spiritual leader of his family, instilling faith in his three daughters that I'm sure will extend on into future generations. He worked hard and managed his life with integrity and character. He was a man who was faithful to God, faithful to his family, and faithful to his ministry. And the results of this faithfulness is profound. He died much too early, Yet he lived a full life, and he died with a priceless legacy of faithfulness. That was Larry. And so here's the challenge for the rest of us today. And I speak to myself as well as I speak to each and every one of you. You see, what we do today will determine what we will have when it's all said and done. What we do today will determine what we will have when it's all said and done. You see, 
your legacy isn't built at your deathbed. It's revealed there. Let me repeat that. Your legacy isn't built at your deathbed. It's only revealed there. So take a cue from one of the best men I've ever known. Be faithful. Be faithful to God. Be faithful to your family. Be faithful to what you know is right. And I know you won't regret it. And my prayer this morning is that God will help all of us to live a life of godly character and conduct. My prayer is that God would help us to always stand for and to live out the godly convictions. And my prayer this morning is that his Holy Spirit would empower us and equip us to demonstrate godly love and care to those who love. I'm going to ask the worship team to sing, and as they sing, I would ask you to reflect and to think about things that were said today. Perhaps God the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart this morning. Our place of prayer is always available if you'd like to come down. If it's Father's Day today, if you have your family gathered around you, I invite you to join hands and pray together. If you need to step off to the side where you can gather together, feel free to do that. But just take these next few moments. You're with the ones that you love the most, that love you the most. Use this time well. Remember, we're all leaving a legacy. We're all creating a legacy. And so as our worship team sings this morning, I invite you to pray, to pray with one another, to hold each other up in prayer. Don't feel embarrassed if you have to move off, if you have to gather together, or if you want to come down here. But please do so this morning. God bless you. So in an attitude of prayer this morning, I'd like to pray for you. If you have a special concern on your heart, if you just want to slip up your hand, slip it down. I'll be happy to pray for you this morning. Is there anyone? God bless you. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you this morning. Thank you because you are the perfect Father. Even though we are very imperfect, you are the perfect Father. And you love us, Father. Your word tells us you love us with an everlasting love, a love that never ends. That your grace overflows and abounds to us each and every day. So thank you, Father, for loving us. Thank you, Father, for your forgiveness for your cleansing. And Father, Heavenly Father, I pray right now for our families gathered, gathered here today. I thank you for every single father that is here and for their children and for their families that they represent. I pray, Father, that you would encourage their hearts, that you'd help them to be the man that you've created them to be. Help them to be men of valor and men of courage, men of conviction. Father, empower them with your spirit. And Father, I thank you for each family as well. And Father, I pray for unity. I pray for unity in our relationships with our families. And I know, Father, that there's no one that's perfect. They will all have our struggles. But I pray, Father, for the power and presence of your Holy Spirit to come between us, to soften our hearts, to make our hearts tender, 
so that we can reconcile, that we can forgive, that we can live in peace and unity and harmony with others. Because that's why you've created our families, to love each other and to support and encourage each other. So I pray for every family, Lord, that's represented here today. I pray that there would be a sense of unity. And Father, many hands have been lifted that said, Lord, I need your help at this particular time in my life or this particular situation, whatever it may be, Father, we know that you are God who provides. Father, for those who have physical ailments, I pray the power of your Holy Spirit would come and touch their bodies and bring healing and bring wholeness. And Lord, we look to you as the great physician and as the wonderful healer, as the comforter who comes alongside of us. And so we look to you, Father, and we give to you our needs. We pray for those who are struggling with other issues in their life, whether it's financial or employment or relations or whatever it may be, Father. We know that you are a God who loves us and you care for us. And when we're hurting, you hurt as well, Father. So we just come to you with our needs and we just humbly lay them at your feet and we ask for your strength and for your grace. So Father, thank you again for this time together. Please keep encouraging our hearts this day, even as we go our separate ways. So, Father, thank you again. Thank you for your goodness and your love. And I pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, amen, amen. God bless you.